Hey everyone, welcome to another long-awaited episode of Off the Pulpit. I'm Eugene. I'm Jason. I'm Thomas. We're three pastors and three friends conversing on life, culture, and church. Off the Pulpit. Sorry for the long break, but happy 4th of July. If, if It's definitely after, so hope you guys enjoyed that. But yeah, we just uh, wanted to reconvene. Um, if you already read the title, you know what our episode's about. But uh, we already chatted about this a little bit offline. But I think people did want to know if our churches were restarting and physically coming back uh, some listeners dm'd us so it might be good just to give a quick update on where your church is physically uh, how you're doing and what it looks like upcoming 2021 for you guys jason you can go first yeah we uh kind of opened uh our in-person services for the first time on june 6th um, at a very limited capacity and as we've moved through the summer we've kind of increased that number um obviously you know following county guidelines and um we're obviously keeping our eyes on on the variant and all that stuff too um but yeah i mean it's been great just worshiping in person definitely a different vibe um and uh yeah we're we're at a space for the summer and then we're hoping to go back to the school we were worshiping at um in the fall and so nice yeah nice Yeah, we're meeting for the first time this Sunday. We've met in the past outdoors, which was cool. But man, like when you're outdoors, you hear like a helicopter flying over you and you see you see like a potential rain might be coming or the sun's like blazing down. Even our obvious heard like the preacher, his iPad shut down because it was like right under the sun. And so, you know, just like outdoor problems. But now that we're meeting indoors this upcoming Sunday, looking forward to that we're hoping that it's going to feel like a better version of the outdoor services and yeah it's going to be a hopefully a great weekend nice yeah true, true north or my church is the same <clears throat> we're restarting this sunday for good indoors back at gun so it seems like i don't know fingers crossed and, and praying to god but it seems like things are going back to normal so yeah we hope even if you're listening that you can get back to your church physically wherever that is if you feel safe so but with that and kind of related to uh, we, I think we talked about this a lot offline, but we wanted to just have a episode on preaching. Uh, I think it's a weird, you, you, you never really talk about it. You, you're always just either listening to preaching or, you know, if you are a pastor, preaching yourself. Um, but I just wanted to dialogue a little bit on preaching because I do think it's something that's not talked about directly at the church. And I think the first question I want to throw out to you guys was like, what exactly is preaching? Because I think that also isn't commonly defined for our church people. I think they're just like, oh, it's just something that you need. But I think it might be good to hear everyone's kind of, okay, what's your own personal definition of preaching? And alongside that, why is it important for the church? Like, why does every church have a sermon? Why isn't it just worship? Why isn't it just prayer? Why does every Sunday worship have a sermon? So, you know, personal answers to you. So whoever wants to go first. Yeah, I always understood preaching as being under the broader category of word ministry. And I think it's important to have that broader category because uh, word ministry, meaning the word of God being taught in the church, it comes in different forms, uh, speaking to one another or exhortation or teaching, uh, Bible teaching. Uh, but preaching is one form of word ministry that's there, and it's a necessary form. It's uh, one of the marks of a, of a true church, uh, faithful preaching of the gospel, along with uh, the, the, impl- the practice of the ordinances. Um, so that's kind of what preaching is. It's uh, the Word of God that's forming God's people. Um, it's it's there when you see it in the New Testament since the apostles were preaching uh, ever since Pentecost. Um, but I think one reason why uh, preaching, I think, is so significant and important in the Christian faith, especially at the time when Christianity came into the world that I read about, which I thought was helpful, is back then, you know, the gods didn't speak. When you entered into a temple, you would worship the the image of that God that was there, and you would do different incantations to figure out what the gods wanted or how to please the gods. But in Christianity, we believe in a God who speaks, and therefore, when we enter into God's into God's temple, which is the church, we hear this God speak, and it comes through the form of preaching through His Word. And that's kind of one of the main significance that makes Christianity different than other religions is because God's a speaking God. He has a will. He, he reveals himself. And that's kind of what preaching does for God's church. Mm-hmm. I like that. Jason, anything to add? Yeah, I mean, uh, just to add to that, um, 
all that stuff that I barely understood that Tom <laughs> just said. Um, no, nah, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Hashtag full. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 uh, man, I'm out. I'm out. Um, no, I, I, I've always believed that worship was um, revelation and response. That there, it's this rhythm of God speaking, as Tom said, God speaking to His people and His people responding. You know, and um, I've seen, I see, kind of, if you see all of life as kind of being in that rhythm, um, then I, I see Sunday worship as also being like a small microcosm of that revelation response rhythm, and so which is why you know we open our services also with the Word of God you know, with a call to worship that comes from the word. Um, God speaks first, and then we sing, you know, in response. And I see the preaching of God's word in that same way, that God um, has something he wants to say to us that week through the text. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I think preaching is obviously so important because I believe the word of God is indispensable. You know, I, I you know, we... We see it in scripture, the word of God is living and active. So it is, it's not like a dead piece of work. It mm. is something that is living and active in our lives today, um, sharper than any two-edged sword. So I, I, I believe that there is a sense in which every week is an opportunity for us to encounter something that God wants to say to us that is essentially exposing us um, and transforming us. And so I think mm. it's so important. Yeah, I, I really like what Jason said at the end. Because in my own view, too, and in my own like education at Talbot Theological Seminary, um, <laughs> um, I, I've, I've come to realize, like, preaching... Because, you know, why don't we just read commentaries then? Because it's very clear, and they know their stuff really well. But someone, I've heard, someone said this to me, too. It annoys stuck that preaching is God's word and how it's relevant today in our moment right now. And I think that's kind of what also defines like a good preacher because you know and we'll, we'll get into this there's like we, you can have a seminary professor come and, and they'll know way more than your pastor but if you've been in the church long enough like there's something where your pastor if you've been there long enough can do something that even someone with exponentially more knowledge of the bible can't in your life and i think that's where it plays that preaching is this dynamic and it's not just because of the preachers because the spirit's working in that moment and that's why it's so important. So with that, uh, we're going to go in a lot of different directions. I think as preachers and as people that kind of also listen to preaching, um, I want to talk about it in different angles. But first, like for, and this is just a completely subjective question, right? Because, you know, this, there's, and you'll, you'll know why, but like what makes a good preacher in your eyes? Uh, like what are the qualities that make a good preacher? And then we'll get into the flip side a little bit. <clears throat> I know for me, we, before even talking about a good preacher, like what makes good preaching? Mm -hmm. That might be better. And to me, there's three elements that go into preaching. There is the science of preaching, which is pretty much like the exegetical work. What does the text say? What was Paul saying in his context uh, to, the, to the church at that time? And that's the stuff we learned in seminary. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the stuff that you could teach mm -hmm. to other people on how to preach is the science. Um, but the problem is if you only have the science of preaching, then that tends to be very wooden and boring. It sounds like a science book because it's, it's literally formulaic. And that's where the second element I think is really important, which is the art of preaching. Mm -hmm. And, you know, any artist would say, like, this is like the painful part. Like, this is the part where after you do the exegetical work, it's like, I call it the chaos. Like, well, how do you make a message out of this mm -hmm. to the people that's there in front of you and at the church? And any artist would say, like, any work of art, it's so painful to produce because it's kind of being a, like an expression of who you are. It's bringing you and all the things that you learned into that moment as well. So it's like the science and the art being mixed together. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like there's that element as well. But then the third element that I feel like is also really important is the spirit element. And I heard this once before where you, it's up to the preacher for the sermon to be from bad to good. It just takes you preparing well or the tools that you learned, but it's up to the spirit from that sermon from being good to great. And that means the preacher has to not just prepare the science well, not just prepare the art well, but he also has to be spirit-filled, mm -hmm. where he is praying for the message, he is walking with the Lord, and can also, the congregation is being spirit-filled, they're being prayerful, they're walking with the Lord, and when that's happening, 
you get a message that's spirit filled as well. And so I think when those three things are all there, that's when you have actually good preaching and that kind of gets nuanced depending on the preacher. Mm. Isn't it funny how like usually your greatest sermons are the ones like you never thought would be great, <laughs> at, at least from my personal experience, which kind of I, I, I believe what Tom said, like it speaks into like the spirit is completely responsible for taking that to a great like a, a really great sermon. But yeah, I, that's really helpful. Yeah, I mean, I I, li- I really like what um, Tom said about, you know, I think uh, oftentimes like the effectiveness of a sermon actually has nothing to do with what happens on Sunday, and it has so much to do with what happens on Monday through Saturday um, in the in the preacher, but also in the congregation as well, um, and even as a week to week preacher, I think. You're a bit in some ways your ability to um, preach to your church to where your church is at. Um, uh, so much of that has to do with how you're connecting with your congregation. Um, so much of that has to do with you know the things that you're doing outside of Sunday um, that gives you some of those sensibilities to know um, kind of what your church needs to hear and where where they're at. Um, for me, like you know, and maybe this is maybe a we, people have different philosophies on this. I believe every text points should point us to Jesus and the gospel. Um, and you know, when I think about what makes uh, a good preacher a good preacher is, um, at the end of the day, um, does that person make the gospel beautiful for me? Um, you know, whatever the text is, um, you know, in in some ways, like, you know, I'm I'm starting again with the belief that. All of Scripture points us to Jesus. Um, you know, how is this person finding Jesus in the text, and um, how is he delivering that story of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection to me um, while being faithful to the text? And so that's a big kind of litmus test um, for me personally. Dang, good job, Fuller. <laughs> good job. For <laughs> sure, pulled up something right. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, no. I, I, I think Jason and Tom head on uh everything they said is like i totally agree i also think like for preachers i think there are unicorn preachers that are just they're just amazing like you know at least for all three of us tim keller's kind of like the jordan the goat of that and there's other people that are like that that can kind of you can drop them anywhere and they'll preach the best sermon of that year at that pulpit right but i also think a part of preaching for the you know below that tier which is almost every pastor is that a good preacher is it's it's subject it's kind of tied to i think jason mentioned this do you know your congregation well because like you can know all this stuff you know way more you could be the greatest seminary student but also still preach ineffectively because it's just not i guess relaying to the congregants which is the most important part of preaching it's not like preaching isn't just giving a a uh, a, a lesson it's tying that truth into okay how does it apply into your life and that's why i found like the best preachers in my life they're not like oh you could drop them at a retreat and they'll like you know preach the lights out but there's someone where because they were just there every week like that youth pastor that i was there like trying every stupid story and illustration that they could but it's somehow still tied to me that's what i think good preaching is it it it's all about does it tie with your congregation so i think it's kind of tied locally but yeah, that's that's a good point because uh, I heard a, I think there was like that recent Mars Hill mm. podcast episode where they're talking about you know sometimes churches could often feel like like a speaking event only, mm-hmm. and it's just about like this almost like a TED Talk type of feel. Yeah. But preaching is actually like you're pastoring your people, mm-hmm. and to pastor your people that means you have to kind of know the congregation. I heard once someone say that your sermon it shouldn't work universally everywhere mm. like you'd have to make major shifts in the sermon in order for it to work in other contexts and i think that's really true and i feel like it's sometimes difficult for us to realize that because we hear great preaching through like conferences where it's meant to be generalized but actually preaching in the local church looks vastly different than the conferences that we have all attended and heard great preaching from mm, that's good podcasting has destroyed the local church because, you think so well you know i, I that's a it's a kind of like a common take online because all of our church members will listen to Cal- like listen to the unicorns that you can oh kind of like drop anywhere. Oh, it's and, not podcasts like us, but like oh preaching. yeah, yeah, my bad. Like uh, like uh, I guess online the accessibility of online sermons. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Because I think then it sets this bar that, oh, my, my pastor has to, has to have that or has to do that. When in reality, like maybe God's placed them in that moment, not to like be a unicorn, but to just speak directly to your life. So yeah, I've heard that take a lot too. And I think it's I think it's equally damaging to the people as it is to the pastors themselves because mm. pastors are also listening to these <laughs> unicorn preachers and they're like I suck, <laughs> you know. Um, or every sermon becomes a Keller sermon at the end of the day too. That's true. I mean, I make a make it a point if I'm preaching on a text that I know that like one of the one of my like influences preached on or like one of the, or like one of the unicorn preachers preached on i will not listen to that sermon uh, because because yeah. i i will not be able to like i know that i will just be like their interpretation was so much better than mine yep. um and so yeah I, I think that's a that's a that's a big thing um one thing I, I will add to that also is you know more and more like it's interesting like when i leave when i used to leave a seminary class, I would judge like, uh, you know, the how the benefit of that class by how much information I was able to retain and, yeah. and how much like, how much I learned. Like I wanted this like, I wanted to be able to say like, man, I like really got my money's worth um, in that class. When I think about a good sermon, I want to leave with like that one thing, you know, um, if I think about a sermon like a song, um, I need the sermon to have a hook, you know, and I want, you know, the, 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 the preacher can take me on this journey that, you know, takes me on this little story. But at the end of the day, I want to be able to say, pull out that one. This is the one thing, you know, wh- whatever that may be, like the so what of the sermon, the the core, the irreducible core of that sermon. And, and if I can if I can identify what that is, you know, if I can leave and say like, um, this is what the text was trying to convey and the preacher did that for me, that's usually a sign that um, the person did a good job. Do you think you guys are more harsh with sermons in your evaluation of it, being a preacher, or are you more empathetic? Mm. I'm way more empathetic. (laughs) Right? Yeah. I thought I would be harsher, Yeah. but I know how hard it is. Yep. You know, so yeah. Like when even them tackling certain texts, I'm like, wow, that was courageous of you. Like that was, I would like be very tempted to skip that over or to ignore that verse or emphasize something else. So even the attempt, you just, and if they drop the ball, mm-hmm. just respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But have you guys found it difficult though to listen to, to be like in the pulpit after, especially for you guys, like preaching week to week? Because it's kind of your jobs, right, to do that. And, uh, like, do you guys find it difficult to then, like, listen to preaching after having to do it, like, week by week, if you're on sabbatical or if you have a week off? Well, that might be different for me and Jason because that's probably the benefit of my situation is I don't preach that mm. often compared to Jason because we have a rotation of preachers at our church. Mm. And so, to me, like, it's a regular rhythm to not just be at the pulpit, but to sit and mm. listen to the pulpit. So I'm not sure for you, Jason, because you preach most weeks. Yeah, I do. I do preach most weeks, but I will say I'm. St- I still consider myself a rookie preacher, in the sense that I've only been in this role for you know less than two years. So I actually still really enjoy listening to other preachers because I'm in that stage where I'm still a sponge, mm. and I'm still you know. Tr- like I, I love listening to other preachers tackle texts um, and, and learning from them. I, I, I imagine that for pastors that have been doing this for like decades, you know, it, it might be tougher. But mm. yeah, I yeah. still really enjoy it. Mm. So and, so with that, this is a really good, I guess, segue. Uh, we we want to be kind to because. You know, there, there might be preachers listening, but like for you guys, what constitutes then as bad preaching? Like, like, you know, we are more charitable, like I think Tom mentioned as preachers when we listen. But I also think because we preach so long, we also can like get annoyed by certain things when you listen to preaching or feel like, oh, that, that was like that was kind of weird. So for you guys, like what, w- you know, subjectively what would kind of constitute as as bad preaching or being a bad preacher? My three, I have three pet peeves. 
number one is when it's not clear mm. like you just don't know what is going on like that drives me insane like i'd rather have a boring clear sermon than like an entertaining but like i have no idea what just happened sermon so clarity is a big one uh, number two is i do not like stories that revolves around the preacher and I walk away thinking like, oh, wow, like I know a lot about the preacher. I don't know about the text. It kind of like he comes out as being like the hero. Uh, I think that's just a personality thing where I don't like that type of personality where they're the center of attention and using the pulpit as like the vehicle for that. Um, and then number three, I mean, this one's superficial, but I have a time limit, man. Like, <laughs> like after... Man, I think my limit these days is like if you go beyond forty-five minutes, like you better say something really good. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. even like you know, even Keller don't go longer than forty-five minutes, and for for you to go longer than that, it's like man, like shorter. You often is better. It shows me it's not really probably prepared. Yeah, if it's longer, mm-hmm. uh, like when I saw you know Martin Scorsese when he made The Irishman. It wasn't like because he was he made it into this nicely prepared movie. He just did whatever he wanted. He just didn't care, man. Like he just you know the more you say, the less probably prepared it is. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I do, and I do think that's kind of a weird thing that especially conservative churches have, which is the longer you preach, the holier yes. it is. Mm-hmm. Which I don't think that's true. I think it's more likely that it's just not as well prepared um, because you want to condense it and make it clear. So I do have. A personal time limit. And I think it's different for everybody. Some people, their time limit is an hour. Some people, it's 30 minutes, whoever it might be. But for me, it's like, man, there is a time limit in my brain. And if you go beyond that, it's like, I hope you have something really valuable to say because, mm. yeah, you should be able to condense it. Amen. I think Keller mentioned <laughs> like 30, every most American preacher should go 30 minutes. Like, because you just, it, it's just, You're just not that good. Yeah, I think that's what he was basically saying. And I was like, oh, this this guy goes like 45 minutes. So that's such a flex. But no, I, I totally agreed with that too. Yeah, I mean, we can't... I mean, if, if people get bored of 30-minute YouTube videos, there's no way, you know, <laughs> given the attention span of people right now. Yep. I mean, it's just... I don't want... If I don't want to listen to a sermon that long, there's no way I would expect my congregation to want to listen to it as well mm-hmm. uh definitely agree with tom on that um for me uh big pet peeve of mine is preachers who use their sermons to show off their seminary education um <laughs> like they use a lot of theological jargon and language that they really don't need to use that just seems like a flex and it's a it's a weird flex because no the only people you would be flexing to are other seminarians because everyone else is confused um so i would say that and then the second one um are preachers who use the pulpit to push a personal agenda you know um it's usually pretty apparent when there's something a preacher wants to talk about and then they're just literally looking for some scripture as a proof text or they they just they're just looking for some text that validates what they want to talk about um which is why in general i think it's it is you know um these days that's the the big the big danger even for me you know having done we kind of rotate between like topical series as well as um just straight going through books um you know verse by verse and with a topical series, that danger is always there, you know, because there you know that there's something you want to preach on, but then you end up not really preaching the text. You end up doing a TED Talk and then using the text here and there. And so um, that's actually like a, a huge, I think, temptation. So I, I in no way am saying that, you know, I have mastered these things fully, but I definitely can tell when a preacher is doing that. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah, I agree. I think for me, the only thing I would add, and this isn't really bad. I think it's just like personal preference and, and subjective. But man, like dry preaching, like I just, I can't. I, and you know, you know, within like three minutes, like what kind of sermon this will be. Like if it's a new preacher, and like the guy that just is basically like reading out a commentary, like I just can't. Because I'm like, dude, I'd rather, 
I'll just read the commentary. Like I don't need you like to speak it to me, you know. So that's the only thing I would add. And that's it's not bad preaching per se. It's just a subjective thing. But yeah, I guess a, a fun exercise would be like, what what are, what do you guys think are the different type of preachers that are out there? Maybe more in our like Asian American circles because I do think there are kind of like archetypes, a type of preachers that are out there. <laughs> and we, you know, let's not try and name like names because even our so I, i'm thinking of some guests, former guests that we have anyways like what, what are like the type of preachers that you think kind of exist in our circles well you know the asian guys they're the imitation of the famous white guys <laughs> yes that, that's yeah that's that's what they are right it's yes. so true there's like the the seminary like the seminarian is always the classic because i we were all that too but like kind of like the new the new preacher is always kind of there like they they always have to add like the Greek language or the Hebrew language, like Jason mentioned, mm-hmm. as like a not like a flex, but it's just like how they're trained. So that that's one type that's kind of out there. The screamers. <laughs> oh yeah. You know? It's it's weird though. It's like um uh like for a while in college I, I attended a black church and I, I I appreciated it, but for some reason the Koreans <laughs> when they scream, it's like it like hurts my ears. It's, it, you know, it feels like your dad is screaming at you. Because it is. It's like a projection of their inner anger. It's like, like black preaching is an art, but like when Asian preachers are screaming, it's like, it's just their inner anger coming out. Yeah. And, and, you know, even with screaming, there's, there's, you're right. There is an art form to that. You know, it's kind of like knowing where, where to pause, where to give it a break. You know, but a lot of times you have the 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 screamers that are just they're like berating you for thirty <laughs> minutes straight. Um, yeah, I feel like that's like the EM. There's like an EM mm. preacher. Yes. yes, like it's kind of ghetto. It's like slapsticky humor. Yes, it's very like uh, uh, like they'll be kind of angry at the congregation. Like that. It's an interesting like archetype. Like the EM pastor, like mm. there's a certain type of guy. I'm like, oh, you would be great in the EM church mm-hmm. because that's your style. Mm. I mean, there's always like the storyteller, and good and bad storytellers too. Because I mm-hmm. think some, but there's always those that like give stories that the only thing you walk away kind of like what Jason mentioned is the illustration, whether it's good or bad. So I know there's preachers mm-hmm. like that too. Yeah. So I guess like one, this the next segment I kind of wanted to ask questions about was, and it might be, uh, it might be helpful for our listeners too, most of them who probably aren't preachers, but to kind of give an inside like track of, of how the sausage is made, right? Like the, the work that goes into it. Because people don't, know, like I remember someone that sermon prep was like, oh, do you just like pray like every day and like it just appears? And it's like, I really wish that happened. But it, it's, there's a lot of steps. And it's, it's interesting because I think how you, Jason mentioned, it's like a movie or a song. Like every preacher has their own kind of way in doing it. But yeah, I guess I wanted to get into a little bit about that. But I guess before that too, as I don't know, mini icebreaker, like what for you guys is your craziest preaching story? Whether It could be either you preaching a sermon and something crazy happened or you listening to a sermon and something crazy happened. Yeah. I, I remember this is what I witnessed. A, a guest preacher came to this campus ministry and he told the the president, like, hey, like I'm going to preach on a message, but I need you to do me a favor. I need you to go to Del Taco and buy 100 chicken soft tacos. <laughs> the president's like, okay. And so he brought the chicken soft tacos and the preacher was preaching on Jesus, like multiplying the bread and fish. And he was like, he multiplied it where he made from like, you know, a few bread to a few fish to you know, multitudes of bread and fish, just like these tacos. And they threw the tacos like, into the, the congregation, all these chicken soft tacos. And, you know, people will forever remember that sermon. They'll always remember hey, the multiplication, dude. I, you know, so, if I was there, I would always remember that. That's, that's yeah, that, was, that was an interesting story. So I was at a youth retreat once, and um, before the service, uh, the preacher told me, like, to basically said, like, put these cardboard boxes under my shirt. Um, And they, like, taped these boxes to me, and they made me wear this, like, big jacket. I had no idea what that was for. Um, 
and then the sermon was about whether or not we were willing to die for Jesus. And then as he was preaching, the lights kind of dimmed, and these people in, like, ski masks and paintball guns stormed the room <laughs> and said, like, um, you know, like, raise your hand if you still love Jesus, you know, even though we're going to shoot you. And, you know, we were amped up from the sermon, so everyone raised their hand. And then they pulled me out into the front, and I realized then why I had the cardboard boxes strapped to me. And they just started, like, they they all just started, like, wailing on me with the paintball guns. <laughs> <laughs> it, still, it still hurt like crazy. Because, <laughs> I mean, it was still, like, point blank, you know? Um Wait, and this is like the middle of a sermon. It's not like even near the end. Uh, no, it was near the end. It was the yeah, it was the climactic moment. Yeah, uh, I see. That's it's funny how these are all like youth or college related. Like I remember <laughs> the craziest one I can remember. I was at a youth retreat, and it was like the charismatic thing I was talking about that I was a part of before. And I remember this this guy came up to preach. It's like, and he was seemed like the nicest dude, and the sermon was going. And it was I the sermons at the retreat in that setting I was at was usually like an hour and a half long. So he's going like 30 minutes, 40 minutes in and you could tell like he's just getting angry. And I don't remember what the sermon was, but it was about like waking up for like Jesus and like, we're all like in high school. So everyone's falling asleep. So like half the room's asleep. And then he like mid sermon, he just came down to the front row and then with a the wireless mic, just started yelling like, wake up like to everyone in their faces. <laughs> And everyone just woke up. It's like this is what we're called to do. And I was like, "Holy cow!" But I always remember like that sermon. And then everyone stayed awake for the rest of the sermon. So, but anyways, archetype. Um, we have, so, archetype. <laughs> so we have a lot of traumatic experience from from preaching, I guess. But I guess one interesting question I'd want to ask, especially you two, because I think you guys preach on a regular basis. What does sermon prep look like for you guys like how does how is a sermon made i think a lot of people it might actually benefit them in understanding like kind of the work and craft into it but i i guess i'd be curious questions like i guess for you guys um yeah like starting from i don't know monday morning like what is the kind of format that you guys have to make a sermon for sunday i know for me it's always evolving but the general process is for me, and this is for me, because I hear some people, they have like crazy things where they're done with the sermon by like Monday evening. What? And then some people, uh, you ever hear that? I hear. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. I hear some pastors, they're done a month in advance. Wow. They have like a month worth of sermons like ready. Wow. And so, but yeah, but those are like, you know, different stories. Like for me, I'm like, that's not going to happen. Like Monday, I'll usually look at the text and I'll have a way of kind of meditating on it, writing it out or just knowing what it is. I'll usually devote a whole day on like Tuesday to like the the science, which is the exegetical work, getting the commentaries, studying it, uh, laying out what what the text is actually saying. And the whole goal is just to understand what the text is saying. I know Wednesday, that's usually my day of like looking at not like the scholarly stuff, but looking more at like voices or like authors or what does this relate to like contemporary issues that are out there. Um, Thursdays, I'll probably, after I have that down, I might hear like another person or two, like how do they preach it? Like what was their approach? And just to get a feel of like how someone else tackled the text. And then usually around Thursdays when I'll probably try to have some type of idea of like this is how to approach the text. And then I know for me, like I'm a Friday guy. Like Friday, I just kind of, the goal is like to get it down. Like this is what the message is. And depending on how Friday goes, I'm either going to have a, a very clean peaceful Saturday or I'm gonna have a stressful Saturday depending on how that Friday goes and so that's just kind of me I wish I could do it simpler I wish I could do it where it was easier in that way but that's kind of like my process on how I work and you're always modifying even after you preach or while you're like driving you just kind of are always thinking about it the whole time so that's that's for me yeah one I mean Tom do you realize do you feel like once you kind of became more of a week-to-week preacher just all of daily life becomes like sermon prep, right? It was, it's it's all sermon illustrations. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's all. I'm having an interaction at Starbucks, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna put that in the bank (laughs) at some point. You're just Um, looking for your opener. Looking for yeah. (laughs) Say something crazy, please. Yeah, I'm like every time I'm watching like a Netflix documentary, Thirty for Thirty, whatever. I'm just like, wait, wait, pause it right there. What what did that guy just say? Uh, I'm similar. I I will say that the pandemic helped me find a rhythm because we were pre-recording our Mm. services on Friday. So I used to be, you know, pre-pandemic, I was definitely a, I was going till like, you know, I was burning the midnight oil even on Saturday. Um, But but I've kind of found a nice rhythm, I think. Um, I'm very similar to Tom. First day, I, w- I will always just sit with the text itself. I'll read it a couple times. Um, you know, I'll circle things, you know, um, find something that I'll ask a lot of questions, think about what the text, what I think the text is saying, and try to find that kind of, that one thing, if I were to pull it out, what I would want. You know, obviously texts, they're so rich that you know, they can say so many things. And so I kind of sometimes have to narrow it down. Day two, definitely like do the work of exegeting the text, like with commentary and, um, you know, yeah, kind of, and that often, a lot of times that second day, it challenges a lot of what I came up with on the first day, because I'll be like, oh, okay, this thing actually meant this, or, you know, I'll learn things. And so I'm I'm constantly kind of reworking it. And then kind of like Tom as well, day three, I will do the work of, I guess you could say exegeting the culture um, now and kind of seeing like what are things that are happening right now in our world, but also in the lives of our congregation members. You know, um, what are things uh, about life in LA that connects to what, now I think that this text is trying to say, I usually will save illustrations for later um, because I find that one of the like cardinal mistakes I, I used to make is there were illustrations I got married to at the beginning of sermon prep. And then I would end up, even if the I realized that the text was kind of moving in a different direction, I would try to force the illustrations to be in there and they, that never worked. Um, and so I, I now kind of insert illustrations um, at the end. And then the last day, this is something that I added during the pandemic because I was actually trying to get the sermons even shorter. I was trying to preach like 20 minute, 20 to 25 minute sermons. Which is really hard if you don't know. So hard. It was so hard. Um, it was just all cutting. Like it was like the last day was like being in a, film editing room and just taking out all the fat and cutting a lot of things and that that's always hard because like everything else any creative endeavor you get you really get married to certain points or things but i've learned to kind of realize and the pandemic helped me with this too just realizing man not everyone people are like they have your sermon on the live stream but they're eating lunch and (laughs) You know, realizing, you know, what is the point of this sermon? And so you kind of learn to just revise, 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 cut, 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 cut. And then um, that's usually the last step for me. Mm. Nice. Yeah, I, for me, it's a little different because I, I preach that most once a month. So it's, I think it's much easier because I have a lot of time to think about it. And I kind of know what the text is usually beforehand. But it's really similar. I'll have the text. I'll read it and I'll read the commentaries. Um, I'll, I'll use Accordance, which is like Bible language software to, to kind of get at the, the nitty gritty stuff. Um, usually midweek is kind of like formulating like just, okay, what do I think the text is saying? After that, I really like what Jason said, like try and execute the culture. I found it that like when I'm reading consistently, like a variety of things constantly, I'm always really in tune with like, oh, like I can just pull from things that, you know, you know what I'm saying? And when I'm not in that season, it's so like I'm up like Saturday night, like, dude, how do, I don't, looking at New York Times, like, oh, like love. And like, what what is New York Times saying that I can like either, you know, challenge or whatever it may be. But 
uh, I'll do that kind of midweek and then Friday, Saturday, Saturday night, Sunday morning at times is kind of like the the drafting and, and ending. But yeah, it's funny kind of like there's some days where like by you read the text and you're like, I'm I'm ready. Like I have everything done in your mind. You're just like, I just got to write it out. And then most weeks it's just like Saturday night you're just praying like, God, like what am I doing? I don't know. I, I, yeah, I don't but, know. It, but it sucks also when you preach monthly, you're like the field goal kicker. You got like a shot, one shot. That's so true. And then if you missed a field goal, you just have a month of shame yeah. until you like come no one, back. No. Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say like, there's actually sometimes like when I wasn't preaching every week, yeah. there was like more pressure, yeah. you know? Because yeah. you, yeah. No, cause We've all been there. We've all been no there. No one remembers the field goal kicker unless you miss. And it's like, yeah, unless you miss. <laughs> that's the worst job. <laughs> and if you miss, the next time you come back, oh, this guy again. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're, you, you, got the, you got the nerves going. That's so true. That's so true. And there's a huge difference between week to week preaching and, and uh, yes. yeah, once a month. But yeah, I hope that kind of helps you understand um, the work that goes behind it too. But I guess personally for you guys, like, also, I want to ask you, like, what's what's been your biggest struggle and burden preaching, uh, especially for you two? Because I think evolving into a more, you know, kind of more week to week time. Um, what's been a, the biggest burden and struggle as you transferred into that? And what's also the biggest blessing as you kind of, you know, gotten more time on the pulpit too for both of you? And I would say um, three of my biggest struggles and things that I'm still working through as a preacher um number one is trying to appease everyone in the sermon um i think because of my personality i'm a nine on the enneagram i'm very aware constantly of um people feeling left out or you know am i talking too much to one crowd of people um and so i i mean i think sometimes that instinct serves me well because I think it helps me to make sure I'm I'm balancing illustrations, maybe some illustrations that will connect more with families versus some that might connect more with college students or working professionals. But sometimes I think I get caught in the trap of trying to preach to everyone, and then you end up preaching to no one. Um, and I think a lot of times that prevents me from taking risks. You know, um, I you know I I become very like. It's like sometimes I, I, I'll, I'll be thinking of one specific person when I come up with an illustration and I'll be too scared to really preach to that person, you know, thinking that I got I to gotta kind of generalize this and make it fit everyone. Mm. But I think a lot of times um, you end up actually like getting no one mm. that way. Um, and so that's, that's, I would say, one thing. Um, the second thing is... Uh, that I, I struggle with sometimes is, you know, I I think sometimes like I, I realize that I have to raise the bar um, when I think sometimes we also feel like we have to preach to the lowest common denominator. Um, but I one of something that one of my professors was really adamant about, and I agree with him. Um, you know, he talked about the way Jesus preached. And he, he could have preached in any way he wanted, but he preached in parables. Like these like st- stories that were so hard to understand. And in some sense, the way he preached was with a certain sense of mystery and invitation. It, it kind of required you, the listener, to pay attention and to, to really seek. Yeah. And, and I think sometimes I'm scared to do that. You know, and I I want it to like be you want to force feed your congregation and give them something really easy, really easy to digest. Um, but in some sense, I think the the beauty of preaching is um, is is preaching and you know not necessarily is raising the bar. And then the last thing is you know, and this is one's really hard as a week to week preacher and as a creative. You spend all this time crafting a sermon, this piece of art. And then you preach it, and you have to be so present for it when you preach it on Sunday. And then, regardless of how you do or how you felt like you did, you basically have to like forget about it on Monday, you know. And that works both ways, you know. It could have been like one of your best sermons. Well, you know, on Monday you still gotta you gotta move on to the next one. 
and it could or you could be like in the pit because you feel like you really bombed it and then you got to move on to the next one and that has been such a something that i've had to work through a lot you know to not get attached to the sermons too much mm. both for good and bad yeah i think i heard it said this way before like when you preach you go through different stages like stage one that every preacher goes through is hey look at me aren't i great and you know you just that's just unavoidable like when you first preach you're, you you want to like prove yourself and you don't want people to groan when you're up there and i feel like you could gauge like if you're in that stage or not depending on how devastated you are <laughs> after a bad sermon <laughs> And, you know, I think for me earlier, like a bad sermon would crush my Mondays versus these days. It's like, ah, yeah, it's not good. And I still feel it, but it doesn't bother me as badly as it did like five years ago or so. And so I feel like I'm in the second stage and I heard the second stage is not like our, look how great you are, but look how great the text is. And you kind of want to show like the insights and like how much, you know, and you want to help people to have like to grow and to be insightful and and I think I realized that's kind of what I want to bring to the table a lot is making sure that people, uh, they actually are gaining something from the message and they're learning things and I'm bringing insight to the message as well. Um, and that's why I feel like if a sermon is kind of boring or I feel like I don't bring enough nuance into it, I feel like that's that's kind of more discouraging for me more than anything else. Uh, but I feel like I haven't, the third stage, which I'm like, oh, that's a very interesting stage that I feel like I want to tap into more is it's not like how great you are, or how great the text is, but how great is Christ? Mm. Like, do you see Jesus being great from this? And I think that's actually, you can't really do that naturally unless you actually think he's great. Mm. And that's where I feel like a lot of people who try to, you know, do the, the Keller thing and you tie it to the gospel. It, it feels like an add on or it doesn't really feel like this gospel tying peace to the message because it's not like you're you don't think christ is really great you want to, you're at that second stage though and i think that's kind of the the, the missing piece mm-hmm. is christ has to come naturally as someone who's great in your heart for that to happen and so i feel like the sermons only go go to go as far as the preacher and their maturity and their intimacy with christ and i feel like that's going to be the for me at least the current challenge is it's not just the craft or the art of itself but i think it's actually my connection and my spiritual life that's kind of on display and the struggle that's there. That's, I, I think, really helpful. One question that came up as you, you were just talking about the time. Do you guys remember, though, like, your worst sermon of all time? Like, like Oh, yeah. Like, what, what, oh, yeah. What, what, what characterized it as the worst sermon? Oh, because uh, it, it was a parachurch thing in San Diego, and it was gospel night. And they invited me to come to preach on gospel night. And I brought my, I think she was my wife at the time. She was my girlfriend and we drove down and I gave a message. And after we drove back up, I was like, Oh, what did you think? And she was just really quiet. And you know, that's always trouble when she's quiet. And she was like, Oh, tonight was, she was like, what tonight was gospel night. Right. And I'm like, yeah. She's like, I don't think he preached the gospel. <laughs> and I remember I was like, really? And she's like, yeah, like, look at your notes. Like, I don't think the gospel was there. You talked a lot about, like, the culture and idols, but you didn't really, you just mentioned Jesus real quickly. And I was looking at my notes after that night. I was like, oh, my gosh, I didn't preach the gospel, <laughs> like, on gospel night. So that was a, a big epic failure on my part. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember one particular sermon, yeah. but when I listen back to old sermons, it's really hard. <laughs> I, you listen to your old sermons? You know, I tr- I really don't want to, and I don't like to, but, you know, one, like something I asked, like a seasoned preacher, you know, what's one way that I can improve? Oh, and they're my. like, even though you don't like to do it, you should listen, listen to yourself. Oh, and, my gosh. You know, and critique your own sermons. Man, I'm so apologetic to <laughs> the, the people who had to listen to those Um yeah, but you know, if you listen back to your old sermons and you're not cringed out, that's probably a, a, also a big warning sign that that's why the spirit's real. The fact the spirit still uses that to bless people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True, true. <laughs> yeah, I let, then like really quick on the flip side, like what what's been the biggest blessing from like especially again as you transition to week to week? I think that is different. Um, and and what's been the biggest positive or blessing from, from that transition? I think for me, it's 
um, finding my own voice, mm. and I'm still finding it. Um, but I think, yeah, I think Tom mentioned this earlier. I think at the beginning, you're just trying to emulate your favorite preachers. It's very similar. It's so similar to um, the way you find your musical identity. You know, at the beginning, you're just playing covers or you're just trying to be like your favorite artists. Yeah. And if you can play what they do, do what they do, like exactly like them, that's you're really happy about yourself. But the best feeling, you know, as an artist is if, you know, for example, if someone were to say, man, that sounds like something Jason would play or that's oh, that's that song is so you that's like a really great compliment um in the music world and i would say with preaching i'm still finding it but i think especially you know in the pandemic just because it was like a brand new medium you know kind of learning how to preach to a camera i had to actually watch myself every week like alongside my wife you know because we were worshiping together and so like kind of realizing the places where i'm like man that's not even that's not even me mm. Or like, you know, that isn't how people, I even relate or talk to people and just hearing that and then being able to find my own voice and be comfortable with even the area in, in the ways that I'm not like my favorite preachers and I probably will never be. And it's very humbling, but I think it's also really freeing. And I think, I mean, that's going to be a continuous process, but I would say that's one of the biggest blessings for me. Mm. Yeah, probably a big difference preaching like more regularly is being able to not just preach the sermon, but the, like the sermon series and having that shape the church that there's something about that. I'm mm -hmm. like, Oh, that's really cool. And it's a blessing where it's not just you throw a sermon out there and then you know nothing happens versus you actually have like this momentum that you could use the pulpit to shape your church mm -hmm. and to mm -hmm. disciple people. That's been actually a big shift. I thought from what I was doing before, what is more infrequent to what I'm doing now. So lastly, um, I kind of wanted to ask a couple questions for our listeners to, as they're listening to sermons, right? I think we kind of gave our little peek into the preacher's mind and how it's made and our struggles and our personal feelings with it. But I guess lastly, like for the listeners, uh, you know, that sit in the pews and even in our pews maybe of our churches like well, the first question i want to begin to kind of start this is like how do you think our members christians believers how can they grow as better listeners because i do think that's something that's not talked about a lot you know we always want our preachers to get better but how can our congregations our congregants become better listeners to preaching just know we see you guys <laughs> <laughs> we know who's paying attention <laughs> well we will soon as we're getting back because <laughs> a lot of cameras are off on zoom when i was preaching <laughs> just keep it real just keep it real uh i know one thing that was helpful is um i remember reading something from calvin where calvin was saying like what makes a church of uh, a church that's faithfully preaching and and his whole thing is so he gave like this illustration if a man is standing in the corner and he's preaching on the street is this a church that he's preaching that he create a church and it's no that's not a church because in order for it to be a church you can't just have a preacher faithfully preaching but you need a congregation that's faithfully listening mm -hmm. and i realized like oh that's that's the element that's needed is realizing that the preaching of god's word it only has effect not through the spirit or the giftings of the preacher mm -hmm. but it's through the prayerfulness and it's also through the receptiveness of god's people mm -hmm. And I feel like that's the one time throughout the week where we're called to practice what it means to be a local church where preaching is being uh, shaped in the congregation or shaping the people. And I think that's something that is what it means to be part of the church. Mm -hmm. And so it's not just the act of preaching, but it's the reception of preaching from God's people and how we respond to it. Yeah. I And I, I to add on to Tom's point, like I think most of our church goers and members want to only come for the sermon in all honesty I mean, that could be wrong but i think the majority do like that's oh the main part of sunday is the sermon and that's oh if i miss sunday then it's okay because i can just listen 
to the podcast and I'll be okay. And I've come to realize, you know, as I grow as a pastor that preaching is a very important part uh, of worship, but it it's ultimately pointing to the whole Sunday worship together. And for you to get the most out of preaching is for you to be there at the beginning of the service. Not like, you know, at, you know, 15 minutes in, 10 minutes in, even five minutes in. But I think even sitting there waiting for service to start with other members and newcomers. And I think that whole, you know, experience and, you know, all of our churches, I think here have a call to worship in the beginning. And then we sing songs and then we get into sermon. There's a reason why that liturgy exists is to kind of prepare your heart for God's word. And I just found it like, you know, at my church, like I'm not trying to call it. I guess I am. But like, I know people that always just like come in, they're talking at the lobby. And then when they hear the songs and oh, then they'll walk in. Right. It's like, oh, I'm here for the sermon. But I'm like, oh, you're not going to be able to listen because <laughs> like you're just not ready to worship because sun- the, the sermon is just a part of um, God speaking to you uh, throughout Sunday. So I, I, I think if you want to listen well is to realize that the sermon actually isn't the most important part of Sunday worship. That Sunday worship is a whole thing holistically in itself and that you need to be there from start to finish. And that, I think, gets so much more out of preaching, at least for the members that I know that come consistently. Um, so I, I'd just, you know, maybe urge, our, if you are listening, to just try that. Like, see how that goes for a couple months, um, even though it feels foreign. That's such a great point. Um, and even as a preacher, like, the the thing that was missing for me personally during the pandemic was yep. not, was just have to, you just basically have to go, like, cold straight into the sermon. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing that has been so life-giving for me these past few weeks as we've started meeting in person is i get a chance to to you know worship and 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 sing with the congregation before i go up and so that i mean i even see it on this side how that changes my posture Mm. um even as i preach so for sure i i totally agree with you um there i also would say so much of i think becoming a better listener comes from kind of level setting your expectations you know i think that as a listener if you walk into a sermon and your expectation is to be entertained and you aren't it's it's kind of like what we do in premarital counseling a lot of times people say like i'm not getting anything out of marriage um but part of it is because you know what you believe marriage should be is not what marriage is Mm. or is not what the what bible says the marriage is Mm. uh and so um I think in the same way, I think if you think that a sermon is there to entertain you or or make you laugh, um, make you cry even, um, I think you'll be disappointed a lot. You know, then I think the way you will listen is you're always going to be listening for the stories and listening for the moments that are going to make you laugh and pique your interest. But I think if you go in there uh, with the posture of like, I want to encounter the Word of God, you know, I want to... Um, I want to, I want to um, be reminded of the gospel, you know. Then all of a sudden, I think even what we hear, you know, the things that that, that pique our interest, all of that changes, and I think it changes the way we even experience a sermon. Yeah. So, yeah, I actually think two people can listen to the same exact sermon and have completely different responses, you know, based on what they expected to hear. You know, or what they felt like the purpose of a sermon was. And so, yeah. Yeah. To Jason's point, it's like funny when members come and they're like, oh, I was so blessed by like this, this point from your sermon. And I was like, I, I never said that. <laughs> but, but I was like, but hey, whatever you take, I'm, I'm cool with this. I'm like, hey, I'm glad this God spoke to you today, man. Or they bring up the point that had like the smallest <laughs> point that it was just a quick joke. That's the only thing they remember. Bastard. That illustration. <laughs> that was amazing. I added that like the morning it's I like, came up. Yeah, that's so true. I didn't know you did karate. That's amazing. <laughs> it's like ah, that's that's your takeaway. <laughs> oh, that's so true. Uh, a couple last quick questions, like kind of related to that too. It's like, okay, what do you do if your pastors? not the best of preachers objectively like and then you know i think i think if you're at a local church context maybe a smaller one that could be true 
Um, and maybe maybe more than poor, like it doesn't match you, right? I, I hear that a lot. Like, oh, this this preacher doesn't match me and what I'm looking for. I don't feel fed. Um, what what would be your advice as pastors and preachers to to Christians and and church members who have that complaint? I know a couple of thoughts come in mind. One is well, figuring out why. Like, what is it about the preaching that doesn't resonate? Is it because it's not faithful to the text? Is it because it doesn't match a type of preaching that you're used to from your history? Is it because you want it to be more entertaining? Like, their approach to preaching is, and your expectation is different, like Jason was saying. So I'd be curious about that. Um, I know another thought that always humbles me is that the mature Christian tends to be easily sanctified uh, or easily edified. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's really true. I think uh, a sign of a humble Christian who seeks to grow is somebody who does not uh, have this high, overly picky view of the food that's being served. That's a sign that you are uh, somebody who's not really hungry for God's word, but you're actually looking for maybe an experience or something that's a little bit more nuanced. And so I think that's important to consider. but to be honest, it's a good question, though. The, the next the question that I'm curious about is if you, let's say you're, you are humble, you just don't like your pastor's preaching, mm-hmm. what do you do? Mm-hmm. You know, is that warrant enough to leave your church? Is that something that you should have a conversation with your pastor about? But if you do, like, can he change? You know, that's an interesting dilemma. If it's not because of it's not biblical, it's just not your cup of tea. What do you do? Yeah, that's a that's a tough one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, if if we say if we kind of um, establish that yes, the the preaching is biblical, gospel center, it's just not your cup of tea. Um, I would say one thing, and obviously the pastor would have to be willing to do this, is actually to get to know your pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like you know, I mean, the pastor would have to be willing to like you know. They only want to get to know you. <laughs> to correct your preaching. <laughs> That's true. No, but oh, you know why I say that is, it's it's crazy what having a relationship with someone does right, to the right. way that you experience totally. their preaching. That's true. That's like true. if you have no relationship, you will judge them solely right, by what right. comes out of their mouth on Sunday. But like, let's say they've been checking in on you, and you've been having these amazing conversations outside of Sunday, and like you know they've been, yeah, like they you know they've been. You've been gleaning so much wisdom off of them, you know, during the week, whatever. I feel like they're already working from like a higher starting point on Sunday, you know, because you have that relationship, you know, and 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 I think that there's just so much more grace. Um, there's so much more receptivity, you know, when you have a relationship with someone. So yeah, I, I'd say that's a big thing. Hmm. Yeah, like J- Jay's not a bad preacher, but. Jay's like one of the, f- and we know that he's like one of the funniest. He, sorry, I'm talking about my lead pastor. He's like one of the funniest dudes. Not even pastors, the dudes that I know. But he can't funniest. show that side of himself on the pulpit because <laughs> he would get fired or canceled, Man. right? So at least for my church, I found like people when they get to know him, like this dude is hilarious. Like they pick out like little things in the sermon, and they tell me like, oh, it's like this sermon is hilarious now that I know Jay. And you know, and, like I know who he is. I was like, "Oh, that's so interesting." But <laughs> yeah, I, I think Jason's point is so true. Like, like the point that maybe it's getting at is like, also, the preaching self of the pastor is not actually fully them too. It is a part of them, mm-hmm. but it's also like they have to kind of not put up a front, but like you know, they're they're speaking to a large group of people. So oftentimes, it's not fully them. And I think Jason's point is really true. Once you get to know them. It also changes the preaching. Yeah, that's true. If you're only if you're so bothered by the preaching, let's say that you want to leave the church, like are you looking at your pastor as only a preacher? Because mm-hmm. that's one of several things that he's supposed to do for the church. Yep. Yep. And so there is something about that where maybe if that bothers you so much, it's because you're only seeing him as a preacher and actually he's meant to be more of a shepherd for you in different ways. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. I think the only thing I would add, and this might be commonly known, and someone told me this a while ago and stuck with me, that preaching is just like food. I think Jason or Tom mentioned that. And, like, to be honest, what did you eat three days ago? Like, you don't remember, but you knew you had to eat or you would have side effects of that. And I've found 
that when I think of preaching that way, that it's it's nourishment for my soul, and that as long as a chef can make food, I should be happy that I can eat it. There are certain sermons you'll remember forever. Like there's certain meals you remember forever, but it's impossible to have those every time at the table. And I think the same way kind of applies to your pastor too. And you know, I think once you stick with a pastor and you see them change and grow, it's also a huge blessing to you that I found, at least from the pastors that I know, even from Tom and Jason too, um, being under some of them in their ministry too. So yeah, last question. I don't know if this will be short or long, but what would you tell anyone that like a Christian that isn't edified by preaching? Like it's just, Hey, I love praying. I love reading. I love worshiping per se, but I have a difficulty not with a preacher, but preaching itself. It's just like, I don't feel connected to God in that way. I've heard that a couple of times. What's the last piece of advice you'd give uh, to someone that's kind of in that predicament? Tom looks stupefied that someone would even think of this <laughs> position. That clearly goes to one of your guys' positions. <laughs> Tom's like, this is, this is not a Christian. <laughs> this is a, a Christian is not edified? What? I mean, I, I, I don't, you know, I don't know that I see a huge problem with that in the sense that I do think people connect with God in different ways, you know? Uh, like, I know people, for them, nothing connects them more to who Jesus is than communion, you know? Um, some For some, it's, it's the music, um, and for some, it's preaching. And so, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I think all of these, are, in some sense, you know, we use the term, they're means of grace, mm. right? They are gifts that God gives us to edify us. And I think um, we're all wired differently. You know, I know pe- we had that ep- episode about word and prayer. For some, prayer is super easy and natural, or or the Bible is super easy and natural. And, and for others, it's like flipped. And so... Um, I don't know that that it's, it's it would be like a huge like huge deal to me if someone said that. Mm. Yeah, actually, I think I agree, and I think it's preaching. It's a developed palette. You develop this thing that maybe because especially if you're a new believer, for example, you're not used to sitting down for thirty, forty minutes hearing one guy just talk. Um, I, I can understand the struggle with that, but it's something that you grow into. It's a way to relate to God. Just like for some, I don't like hiking naturally, but my wife likes hiking and that's how she gets connected. And now I still don't like hiking that much, but I'm cool with it. And I understand how it connects me to my wife. And I think preaching, this is something that God connects with his people with. And while at the beginning it might be really hard or even dreadful for some people, I think it becomes something where you can at least see how it connects you with God and even see a little bit of beauty in it. And it gets developed over time. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good word to end. So, yeah, we hope you're blessed uh, from that. And any last shout-outs to you guys? Shout-out to Giannis. Shout-out to the Suns. Yeah, Shout-out to the Suns. Shout-out to, the sons. Doing well. shout to Giannis. Drops 40 on a broken knee. But um, shout-out to Conor McGregor. I hope you win. Oh! <laughs> Are you a UFC Shout-out. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Good, good. Yeah. Yep. My Insta-feed is all MMA and golf <laughs> right now. Same as mine. Cool. Hey, thanks for listening. Uh, we hope you're you know, somehow blessed through this. If you could like, comment, share, subscribe to any platform, we'd be really blessed by that too. But yeah, with that, we hope you can physically be there at your church this Sunday and be blessed by the preaching of the word. Yeah, hope to see you in the next episode.